This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. You're listening to Raise Your Game here on BFM 89.9. I'm Christine Wong. And on this show, we reiterate time and time again that it's not just book smarts or resume entries that make you a good employee, employer, and even person. But the idea of soft skills tends to seem like merely a want, uh, not a need to a lot of companies or people. So how do we rebrand and cultivate these skills? Maybe call them power skills instead. Joining me on the line to discuss just that is Andreas Voyazaki, founder of AMV Plus Advisory, to tell us about the power of power skills. Definitely no stranger to the BFM airwaves, but in case people don't know or haven't heard yet from you, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and also what AMV Plus Advisory is all about? My name is Andreas Voyazaki. As you said, I'm the founder of AMV Plus Advisory. Now, I've been on the corporate side pretty much all my life. Uh, the last uh, 26 years in Asia, uh, from Japan to Taiwan and Malaysia for the last 16. All right. So before we get into a little bit more about soft skills and power skills and explaining, you know, that shift, um, why do you think companies and people have been underestimating the the importance of having these skills? Usually, uh, we focus much more on cultivating the hard skills uh, to our people. Uh, we train them very well on how to manage a budget mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. how to um, analyze data and so on, or writing skills, for example. And these are very critical, not to say that they are not. They're very critical, in fact. But we used to talk about the soft skills in a much secondary manner. Mm. And I realized that uh, these so-called soft skills, in fact, end up becoming more important and critical for the success not only of the person, but also of the organization and of achieving the KPIs. So not only I wanted to focus on that, but also I thought um, join join a couple of like-minded people, not to call them soft skills anymore, but uh, power skills. Nobody ever told me that in order to be a great professional, in order to uh, make your clients happy, you need to be more empathetic. You need to be vulnerable. Mm. You have to have courage. Uh, you have the license to fail and learn from failure. Nobody told me that. In fact, it was all about driving hard KPIs, all about driving the bottom line, uh, and all about making sure that you meet these. And the reward that we always used to get, if you really think about it, was based exactly on that. Mm. Um, your bonus is not going to be determined if you actually did learn from all your mistakes. Right. It's going to be based on how many clients and uh, how many billings you got. Mm. So essentially, you know, they're all part and parcel of, of the same goal, right? Which is basically to be successful right. in business. And you can't just have, yeah. you know, as you mentioned, the, I guess, the on paper skills, right? Um, right. There's got to be a, a sense of personality and, and empathy to how you conduct yourself as well. That also helps. And that's why, uh, you know, for the purposes of this interview, although they, these skills are more commonly known as soft skills, th- there's this sort of rebranding of them, right? To power skills. Now tell me a little bit about that justification of, of why you specifically wanted to go with power skills as the catch-all term for these qualities. That's right. Well, first, first of all, I'm not the only one, and there is there are many, uh, many coaches out there, <clears throat> trainers, who are exactly in the same wavelength of uh, thinking. 
uh, in calling them power skills. So I'm not the only one. Uh, neither I can claim fame to, co uh, to, to coding this name, but I strongly believe that that's how we should call them. Now, when I look and when we look at different um, uh, different studies, right, uh, done uh, at different markets, we can easily see that these so-called soft skills, strong soft skills or strong power skills, they boost productivity and retention by up to 15%. They deliver return on investment that is double, more than 250%. These are stunning numbers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, study that was done uh, in uh, US, for example, uh, about uh, emotional intelligence skills. Um, they make up nearly 90% of the attributes that set high-performing leaders apart. Every time I read something about leadership for any market, any company, anywhere, the successful leaders are the ones who are more empathetic, mm. who are able to communicate better. Um, I'm, I'm a certified coach. You asked me about AMV Plus earlier before, and um, I might as well say now that uh, I founded this advisory uh, with a very single-minded purpose, and that is to become a catalyst of positive change, to help uh, people become better leaders, uh, transform and identify their purpose. And I do that through coaching, uh, through consulting and through training. Mm -hmm. And when I coach, train and consult companies and people uh, since last August in my company, I realized that the single unquestionable challenge is never the hard skills. It is all about the soft skills. They asked me about how do I communicate better? How do I become a better presenter, not in sense of structuring a nice presentation, but mm -hmm. in terms of connecting with my audience, understanding my audience better, creating rapport, being more empathetic? How do I do that? Mm. And so um, I see that this need is very real. Um, again, not to say that the hard skills are not critical, by far they are, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but it is almost a, it is almost like driving. Um, you learn the hard skills going through school, and then you put that in the back of your head, and it's about judgment. It is about capability to assess the situation and become better um, at, at the skill that uh, you, you have studied. Mm -hmm. So it's exactly the same thing. Right. Um, and right. I've seen... I've seen in the companies from personal, practical experience, um, from both successes and failures, from both doing good things and bad things, we all have been there and definitely I had my fair share, um, managing companies as a CEO in different markets, um, it all boils down to people. It all boils down to the power skills. Mm. In Japan, uh, trying to build the company from scratch, um, merge it with Starcom and, and develop Starcom Media Vest, for example. My boss back then and a very great friend and mentor of mine, he told me about the three Ps. He said, it's all about people, product, profit. But the, the secret is in that order. So if you put people first, that's the key. As a leader, how do you do that? Mm. When you have the pressure of the board and the pressure of your bosses to really deliver the bottom line, to deliver the profit and the KPIs, so how do you become more empathetic? We have heard about empathy um, in, in a million different ways, right? And it is about um, not just 
patting a person on the back and say, yeah, I understand how you feel, but really getting into his or her shoes yeah. and feelings rather, right? How do you do that? And how do you become better uh-huh. as, as, as a leader? Um, I went to Taiwan and the first thing that rather crudely uh, a young chap told me one day is that if you really want to lead this pack, lead the heart. And that was a profound statement for me at that time. Um, how do you do that? That requires excellent listening skills, right. excellent mentoring and coaching skills. These are the power skills that enable leaders to really uh, become better and steer their organizations and teams through tough times uh, and achieve success, uh, guaranteed. And I've seen it. Um, I've seen it on myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Before you uh, carry on with explaining what these uh, skills are, and uh, you know, I, I know you earlier mentioned empathy, uh, listening uh, as well. Uh, I, I do want to ask a quick question about culture, right? Because uh, as you mentioned in your little introduction, that uh, you have had a lot of experience working specifically in sort of the Asian and Southeast Asian region. Is that correct? That's right. Right. Um, do you think that there is a, a cultural impact, right, uh, in terms of, um, you know, uh, the Asian workforce that maybe uh, contributes to uh, the Asian workforce having a bit more of a, an issue with cultivating an environment that does invite, um, you know, the cultivation of power skills? That's a very, very interesting and great question, uh, actually. And um, I am working right now with a client, uh, a, a Malaysian-based client, um, and we had exactly this discussion this morning. Is it cultural on how people behave? Um, in Japan, I learned the difference between being a hunter and being a farmer. Um, and, and a farmer nurtures um, and, and is patient to really reap the rewards. A hunter is on the go to kill now and get instant gratification. Very different. And in the Western environment, they're more like hunters rather than farmers. And so there are cultural differences, and that plays huge effect. For example, I can see uh, generally some of the aspects of the Asian culture being more humble, more reserved, less confrontational. Um, And sometimes that is good, sometimes that is bad, especially when you want to uh, drive hard results and KPIs. But I think that at the very, very end of the day, if you strip the onion naked, people are people. And people are driven um, by similar emotions. Um, In other words, if I trust you, if I believe in what you're saying as a leader and that's the right thing to do, if you build rapport with me, Mm -hmm. if you're empathetic, I know you might not be able to solve my problem, but... Um, if you are empathetic and you are right there with me, if I can see that you're vulnerable too, you're not sitting on your high glass tower observing what mm-hmm. you're doing, right. um, then I will follow. Then I will run the extra mile and do everything for you, for the company, for my team. Um, and that I have seen to be the case regardless of the cultural differences or company visions and missions. Mm. Fundamentally, when you look at the human race, we all started from the same point. And that was nomadic. That was about the family. That was about dividing and conquering uh, and staying together in order to create safety. That's the fundamental thing. We want to feel safe. And once we do, um, and when the leaders make us feel that way, uh, then we perform. 
All right. Well, it's time to take a short break right now for some messages. But after that, I will continue my conversation with Andreas Voyazaki of AMV Plus Advisory about the power of power skills. So do stay tuned to raise your game here on BFM 89.9. Best for money. BFM 89.9. This is Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong and on the line with me today is Andreas Voyazaki, founder of AMV Plus Advisory, amongst many other things in his career. And today we're talking about the power of power skills. Now you may be thinking, what are power skills? Well, to tell you the truth, they're actually soft skills, uh, but just with a sort of rebranded name to highlight their importance in the workplace. Now, before the break, we talked a little bit about why we should call them power skills and touched very briefly upon um, what are examples of some of these power skills as well as uh, potentially the cultural effect on, a, on the cultivation of these power skills in the workplace. Um, right. I think another perhaps misconception um, that I've at least heard about uh, power skills or soft skills is that they're not... Um, they're not as necessary if you're not in a front-facing role. Uh, you know, I think uh, people tend to associate, let's say, uh, marketing and sales roles with power skills, right? It's like um, communication, it's uh, uh, empathy, it's all uh, uh, giving feedback, for example. Uh, and yet, you know, uh, we kind of tend to assume that the more um, background roles, for example, software development, uh, you know, uh, tend to not call for these skills so much. Would you say that that is a misconception as well? Um, yes, in many ways. And um, I think that when, when but, but we cannot blame anybody because that's how, as I said uh, in the first uh, segment, that's how we have been trained to think. In school, um, we learn hard skills. At work, we are incentivized based on KPI deliveries on hard skills. We are never really incentivized on uh, being more empathetic on being more resilient. Um, yet, uh, and that's why there is this, this misconception, uh, because always the focus has been on the hard skills. Most of the training uh, modules so far have been on hard skills. And only um, in the last few years, um, there is much more and more and more emphasis. Uh, look at coaching, for example. Coaching um has really taken off, especially in this part of the world and definitely Malaysia, in the last 10 years or so. Um, if you look back uh, 15, 20 years ago, um, if you say I'm a coach, they would look at you and they would think that you're in the sports business. Um, they would not really understand what a coach does. Um, and of course, that perception is changing. Um, if you look at any hiring manager, any CEO on what today, on what they are looking at to the people that they are hiring, I can safely bet, my last ring yet, that they would put the EQ far ahead from the IQ. And I say this because I've heard it, uh, I've said this because I wanted it myself as a CEO of different companies. Um, and I say it because I see so many HR managers uh, really doing that. And there is a discrepancy to that. There is a discrepancy because while the awareness on the so-called soft skills, the hard skills, the, the power skills as we call them now, um, are, are really important. Uh, a study in the U.S., for example, showed that uh, uh, only 59% of the hiring managers um, 
believe that it's rather that 59% of the hiring managers believe that it's uh, very difficult to find candidates who are good at power skills. Um, and uh, that's that's a challenge because we realize that EQ, power skills are, are really what we need, but we do much less uh, to really cultivate, cultivate them. Mm. And uh, that's why I thought um, I would focus my own advisory to uh, push that very, very hard. Hmm. Let me let me give you a hypothetical here, Andreas, because I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, right? You mentioned hiring uh, earlier. And of course, uh, during this period of time when a lot of us are uh, working from home and I mean, even now, for example, we're doing this interview virtually, um, you know, let's say you are looking for a new candidate for your company. And the only way that you can really get information on them is through their CV or their resume and through, you know, uh, a remote a call like this one. How exactly do you do you look for soft skills in these situations uh, or power skills, how do you, uh, how are you able to tell or to make a judgment call on if a candidate, you know, has these qualities uh, in these uh, situations? What an excellent question, actually, that I love that question. Very difficult to answer. Um, I strongly believe in the face-to-face interaction where all your senses are working and you can really uh, get a better understanding of who you're talking to, who you have across from you. Um, you can see not only their face or waist up, uh, as you see in all the Zoom calls, um, but you can get the entire picture. Even then, of course, it is hard, but uh, body language works. They say that, in fact, verbal communication is only 7% of the actual communication. And that's based on numerous uh, surveys and research, meaning that the rest of the 93% is pure body language, nonverbal communication, eyes, face, hand gestures, body stature, stance, and all that. So can you imagine what we are missing when we uh, are not having a face-to-face interaction? Mm. Um, and that applies to pretty much everything, not only an interview with a candidate. Having said that, I think that um, under the circumstances and with whatever we have left to work with, um, I think that uh, great questions, uh, powerful questions that really dig deeper into not only the experience but to the psyche of the candidate can help. And not only that, but also active listening, uh, to listen deeply to what they really say, how they um, how they reply to our questions um, and to get the nuances, not only from what they say, but also on how um, their face and their demeanor is uh, across from our laptop screen. Um, not easy uh, and not as good as face-to-face, but um, definitely better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, uh, at least from my experience uh, on, uh, on having a few interviews uh, over the Internet, um, it's not perfectly accurate, but I think sometimes um, some at least basic things can be detected um, on uh, the way the candidate replies in terms of voice, in terms of face, in terms of gestures. Um, and you'll be surprised um, how, for example, some uh, can be late on the interview or they can uh, be resistant to turn the camera on and so on and so forth. So um, 
you 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 can still detect and judge, but nothing will replace the face to face. Got it. So final question for you today, Andreas. Um, you know, on Raise Your Game, we often put the onus on uh, the business uh, founder or the team leader or, you know, the person in charge to help to, uh, their team to cultivate uh, new skills or new mindsets. But I want to take a more proactive stance on this. If you are someone that, you know, is listening to this conversation and has realized I don't really exhibit a lot of these power skills myself, how can you, I guess, exercise that muscle? You ask such great questions, and I I love that. The journey starts when the penny drops exactly how you say it. Uh, let me briefly um, talk about the four levels of competency, and this is about being unconsciously incompetent. The penny drops, and you become consciously incompetent. That's exactly what you said just now. You realize that you have a need, and then you work on it until you become consciously competent. And, of course, if you work well enough on it, you will become unconsciously competent, which is being good at what you do without even thinking. And so once you become aware that there is a need, then the only way to do it is to uh, to work at it. Get a coach, contact amvplus.com, and we will definitely help you. But it is about understanding that the power skills will indeed change yourself change your organization, and they the power skills are focused about ways of being and about thinking. It is not the same way that you will evaluate the hard KPIs, the hard skills. I will teach you how to use Excel, and it's very easy for me immediately to, to uh, evaluate if you have learned that skill or not. I cannot teach you about empathy, and then later on tonight, I can really test that that easily. Hmm. It has to be done uh, on a personal level, and then it has to be done on a team uh, basis and a company level, and that takes time. Um, and power skills might not come naturally to everybody, but they do so with ongoing reflection, with learning, with practice, and with an absolute commitment from the top, from the leadership. And thus, I love your question, because it hits the nail, smack in the head, and it's a perfect way to end the show, because I've seen cases where, uh, can you come and do a leadership program for my team? Um, and, of course, I love that. And I say, yes, but you will also participate. No, 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 just for my team. I'm the leader. I'm like, well, actually, it has to start from you. And if you don't go through exactly the same thing, then you are actually in a state of denial. So it has to start by getting the managers, the leadership team involved into that conversation and participate. How can you talk about empathy, vulnerability, resilience, determination, self-awareness, inspiration, trust, integrity, courage, um, if you're not part of that conversation? Um, And I can say uh, in in, uh, ending answering this question that without any doubt, 100% convinced focusing on power skills, cultivating them, nurturing them, enabling yourself as a leader and your team to really become better at them. Uh, And that takes time, does build better individuals, does build better teams who can fight any challenge, who can weather any storm, and who can truly deliver the KPIs of the company, the vision, the mission, and achieve a purpose that becomes collective 
and individual as well, which is the highest um, success I think a company can achieve. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us about the power of power skills today, Andreas. Uh, that was, of course, Andreas Boyzaki, founder of AMV Plus Advisory, talking to us about power skills today. This has been Raise Your Game and I'm Christine Wong. If you have missed any of today's podcast, you can download our app. That's available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also head over to bfm.my slash podcasts or you can actually listen to our podcast on Spotify or wherever else you find your podcasts. I'm Christine Wong and you have been listening, of course, to BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.